everyone. Welcome back to a special edition of Pod on You Loons. This is Sam. I am not with my normal co-hosts, but I am with our two friends from the Pacific Northwest. I am here to introduce to you Nate, our guy from Portland, and Cam, our guy from Seattle. How are we all doing? Good. Thanks, Sam. Thanks for having us on again. Yeah, thanks, Sam. Uh, it's suddenly become a Pacific Northwest podcast. Yeah, you know... Cam, you've been on quite a bit. Nate, you've been focusing on your new podcast, The American Podligans. I'll just plug that quick. Find them at USA Podligans on Twitter and then look for them on the podcasting platform of your choice for all your U.S. men's national team needs with the ongoing World Cup qualifiers. Nate, is this the first time you've been back on since launching that? It is the first time, yes. But you guys were nice enough to stream one of our episodes on your platform. So thanks for that. Yeah, it was fun. It was extra listens for us. Boom. Nate, can you give us a quick, uh, maybe 30 second thoughts on the USA-Mexico game? I think that the USA-Mexico game proves that we are the new kings of CONCACAF. And I think that it showed tonight when we concacaf Jamaica away. <laughs> I also like the fact that we have... While we have increased the quality of our squad immensely, we've also just really figured out the art of shithousery. Can you just explain what does it mean to CONCACAF a draw away in Jamaica? Uh, we were beneficiaries of a number of phantom calls in that match that otherwise might have gone against us and would have resulted in us losing the most explicit of which was the Jamaica goal, which was disallowed. And I thought it was a foul, but they don't have a really great camera angle on it. I thought that the guy climbed over Zimmerman's back, but Zimmerman's sort of like backing up. And it's certainly not something that you're going to see called 10 out of 10 times, probably three to four out of 10 times at best. So for that foul to be given when the ball's in the net in the, you know, 80 plus minutes is, uh, fairly beneficial for us. And of course, no VAR because CONCACAF stadiums are not equipped to have it in most of CONCACAF. Yeah, I don't know that that gets overturned if it's VARD. It wasn't that blatant, but it's certainly a call where in real time, most of the time, I think the official is not going to call that. Yay for us. Yay for us. It's nice to be the one being the beneficiary of CONCACAF instead of getting concacaf Absolutely. Well, not not here to talk getting CONCACAF, here to talk the MLS playoffs. Cam also here, our Seattle guy, who, Cam, you've been on, you by far are our most capped guest host, by far now. So if yeah. you don't already follow Cam, look for him on Twitter, at Legal Minded Punk. That's me. Anything and, else uh, you want to say, Cam, before we get going? Just I'm happy to be here, and you know, you know how much I respect all of the loons supporters and the, the squad. And uh, yeah, one day maybe I'll start watching all of the loons matches so that I can be a part-time full-time host. Yeah. Hey, I, I don't even need to consult Justin and James because I assume that they would agree. If you ever want to watch every loons game, just so you can come podcast with us every week, open invitation. You can be, you can be the fourth host. I mean, Minneapolis and St. Paul are so similar to Seattle. 
I don't know, Nate, uh, you, you've lived both places, so you probably have good insight in that. But my understanding is that in a lot of ways, I have heard that the hunting and stuff like that's a little different. But in terms of the the, the amount of um, just how well-read everyone is and stuff like that, that I think I would fit in up there with you all. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, even even just driving around, there's times where I have to catch myself. I'm not driving in Portland or I'm not driving in Seattle. Yeah, But I think Minneapolis... I tell people here, Minneapolis is Seattle and St. Paul is Portland. Well, Minneapolis, a yeah, little, little bigger, a little more kind of upscale, more going on. St. Paul, a little more laid back. And I'm talking about Portland like 15 years ago, not Portland now. Because Port- like, I don't even recognize Portland now. Yeah, same with You probably wouldn't recognize a lot of Seattle. Probably wouldn't recognize a lot of Seattle. Yeah. It's been a while since I've been there too. But So Nate, as a Portland native... And as a current St. Paul resident, have you seen those shirts that say, keep St. Paul boring? <laughs> I've not, but that's awesome. I want one. Yeah. Right. Because that was, that's a play on keep Portland weird, right? Yeah. Okay. Nate, Nate has such deep roots in Seattle as well, having gone to school here and having put down a down payment on the original Sounder season ticket. Uh, deposits to become a Sounder season ticket holder. So I did. Uh, <laughs> I in fact have a picture that is prominently displayed in my home, which is the one photograph that I have with my, for over a decade now, deceased step grandmother and my sister. But I'm wearing a Sounders shirt in that wow. picture because wow. it was when I still lived in Seattle. Yeah. You were almost a Sounders it was, guy. It was also a size small, Ooh. which I definitely cannot fit into anymore. The good old it was days. The, it was the only one they had left. Yeah. So that's how that's how dated it is, is I was wearing a size small. Ow, ow. Making it look sexy. Always. Well. I mean, yes, but. So the reason why we have all these Pacific Northwesterners on the show right now Minnesota United at Portland Timbers, Sunday, November 21st at 5.30 p.m. Central Time. That's why we have Nate on the show. Not quite exactly sure why we have Cam on the show other than we have fun doing it. We have hey, fun having eventually, him. Eventually, hopefully, one of you two will be playing us. Hopefully, but there's a lot to say about that. Yeah, because the winner of the Minnesota-Portland game goes to Colorado on Thanksgiving Day. On Thanksgiving Day at 3.30 p.m. Central. Why Why the hell is the MLS having a playoff game on Thanksgiving Day at 3.30 p.m. Central? Because they think they're big time. Yep. I mean, they want to be big time. They want to have that primetime spot. And it's probably what they figured that they could slide into. And, and they, they I didn't. don't think they thought it was going to be Colorado. <laughs> well, but they <laughs> chose. Thing. They Well, it's the I mean, first maybe. game of the second round, right? So no, I, I am. Everyone forgot that Colorado was in the race, right? It was gonna. It was Seattle, KC, Seattle, KC, and uh, and then Colorado snuck in there at the end. I mean, I think you in either of those cases, those are bigger time games to watch because most people. I was following Colorado, but most people were not following them closely. Though even you, you, you came. I and Cam, I don't mean to use your words against you, but you came on the show, and I don't remember you talking much about Colorado. No, you, no. I mean, you that's were happy. Also, it's because we were so mad that, about yeah. SKC. Sure. Right. Like you came on to help us recap the Minnesota United SKC game because, yes, you were so mad about SKC. 
it was the way you were talking, it was all Seattle or SKC who was going to be that one seed. We weren't really focusing on Colorado. Yeah, they they I mean they've been hot all season, but they got really hot at the end and snuck ahead of all of us. So uh, I think it's the very first time uh my buddy Dan Boniface, who used to write, he used to cover uh the Rapids for the Denver Post, and now he's uh involved managing their online uh stuff. But he said it's the first time they had ever won Western Conference despite having championships. So congratulations to them. Yeah, cool, cool for that. I mean, besides the Stan Kroenke uh, Association, I mean, nothing against Colorado. Denver's oh, a they, cool place to visit. They don't like that either, so. Yeah, right, right. Yeah, like, can't hold that against them. But, yeah, like we said, Minnesota United, Portland, this Sunday. That's why we're all listening. Most of you listening out there are Loons fans. Nate here, he is Portland guy. He is Timbers guy. Nate, can you give me just a one to two minute summary of Portland season? What did their road to the fourth seed look like? Yeah, I mean, I think the interesting thing when you look back and, you know, Cameron's been here before too, and, you know, the Timbers made a, a solid run into the CONCACAF Champions League at the beginning of the season. And if you're an MLS fan, you know that that means two things. That means a really heavy early season schedule. And it also means uh, prioritizing non-league games. And typically that also means rescheduling league games. Uh, that didn't happen for the Timbers this year. They didn't reschedule any of their games. So they played. A, they were playing a full slate of games. I think it was, you know, they're basically starting their season with three games in a week uh, for the better part of a month. Um, They made a decent run, ended up losing uh, to Club America, uh, drew at home, and then uh, lost, I think, 3-1 away, but certainly competitive two-leg tie and also happened to suffer some key injuries along the way. So the, the early season start was poor at best. Uh, what they've done over the last 14 games since the aforementioned uh, 6-2 loss at home to Seattle, which would f- which was followed by a point away at KC and then a loss away at Austin, which was a terrible run and had put uh, Severacy on the hot seat. What they've done since then is go 10-1-3 with six shutouts and a plus 16 goal differential. So it's really a tale of two seasons. Uh, For me as a Timbers fan, looking at their kind of body of work as a whole, in which they kind of weathered this early season storm, had some injuries, got guys healthy, found some chemistry, and now are really humming at the end of the year. Uh, And I'd be remiss if I did not mention the supporters player of the year for this year, Mr. November. Dyron Espria, who had a career high seven goals on the season and has been playing the whole year like it's November. So then regular season's over. Playoffs are about to start. Not thinking about the playoffs right now. How do you feel about your squad this season? Have you been satisfied? Have you been disappointed? Or are you feeling kind of neutral? Did they live up to expectations? I mean, to be honest, the on-field play for me right now is pretty secondary to the continued 
front office, I don't know what the best word is. I'm glad that I don't live in Portland where I don't have to make a financial decision around supporting the team that I love and continuing to give money to that front office. I'll put it that way. Um, And it's not a, if you're not familiar with the situation, it's not a Timbers direct thing. It is actually a Portland Thorns direct thing. But if you followed over the last, what, six to eight weeks of American soccer coverage, uh, the Portland Thorns were at the center of a controversy with um, sexual exploitation by a former coach who had moved on to Carolina. There's a number of NWSL teams that have had similar front office issues with team cultures this year. Uh, and the fact that the Timbers and Thorns have for so long marketed themselves as you know one team, uh, one organization, and now are conveniently sidestepping uh, the work of some members of that front office who were intricate, integral members of kind of perpetuating these situations. Um, I've intentionally tuned out of some of this stuff. So I'm happy to come on and, and talk and I'm happy to see that, you know, the team is doing well, but overall I've, I've distanced myself from the organization because I don't feel good about doing anything that's going to provide any sort of a bump in numbers or ratings for that front office. Nate, can I ask a question uh, about that? I'm not, obviously I'm following the fans and their responses a lot since I have a lot of friends down there and I spent, you know, a year of my life essentially living in Portland, not a year straight, but over time. What is the front office rationale for removing um, the general manager from the thorn, but not, but not from the um, timbers? I mean, that's the question that everybody's asking. And there's been a lot of radio silence and there wasn't even, I mean, it was when the new Thorns general manager was announced, uh, LeBlanc, it was not, Gavin Wilkinson is being removed as general manager of the Portland Thorns and is being replaced by Katrina LeBlanc. It was Katrina LeBlanc named new general manager of the Portland Thorns. So there's there's been a lot of sweeping under the rug, it seems like. There's been a lack of direct response to demands, both from fans and from the players. And if you read statements by both the Timbers Army and the Rose City Riveters, the supporter groups for both of the teams, uh, you know they're in support of the players, and their demands have focused around demands that the players made publicly for transparency, and that that transparency is still very much lacking. And it would seem as though the relationship which Merritt Paulson and Gavin Wilkinson have cultivated over the last decade plus running men's soccer in Portland, that they want to continue to do that together as much as possible and are willing to kind of take whatever they think they can take whatever publicity hit by just addressing, kind of quietly addressing these other issues. And I think that that is the continued. Fear. I mean, it, we're going, we're going on six weeks of boycott of all stadium concessions, merchandise, memorabilia, 
from the Timbers Army. I know that there's a lot of people that are strongly considering not renewing tickets for next year or have already chosen to not renew. And the interesting thing was in years past, you've had to actively renew and you've had to actively state that you want playoff tickets. And this year you had to actively opt out of both of those things. So the organization is making it easier to keep their money coming in rather than make it harder for people to opt in or rather than making it rather than keeping it kind of the status quo where if you want something, you have to go out and get it versus and that, of course, to, isn't, isn't related to what's going on. That's I think that's a trend league-wide where uh, and across professional sports where they're moving to auto-renewal and you have to opt out if you don't want it. But it just the timing of it's uh, suspect. Right. Well, and I think that that's kind of in life general. There's been, I mean, you look at politically, you look at everything else. Is you, have to, you have to be really careful about what you are signing up for because if you're signing up for something that you're paying for, you're oftentimes signing up for directly or indirectly paying for other things or at least selling your information to other people that are going to then try and sell you something or take your money. Like clear. They're or doing Donald all the, Trump or Donald Trump, but Clear's doing all of the, um, at least in Seattle, all of the verification of the passport or the vaccine passports. And that's kind of where they trade in is they're, they're developing basically a, a platform that takes all of your digital assets. And then eventually they can start selling that, but that's beyond the scope of this podcast. That is, I was going to say, Sam, I'm sorry that we've hijacked your podcast <laughs> <laughs> and not only talk about the loons timbers game but to talk about the fear that is portland fans at their soccer organization i think it's important for for minnesota fans to know that though and just kind of see the a the organic grassroots nature of fandom at time and b the power that they can have as fans if something like this or similar were to happen in minnesota the fans have a voice and can use it to change the route that the, the club is going really important to mention that Minnesota is developing grassroots women's soccer and the Woso Minnesota movement from everything that I've seen is building a really strong um, community base that is responsive and responsible to their community ownership and is what I'm not to give myself away. I've got a few bills to pay off, but as soon as I get those bills paid off, I will be joining MN Woso as a community member. And I'm very excited to do that because of the way that they are building that. Yeah. And the, the pot on you loons host that lives the furthest away is a community owner. Uh, James from the Netherlands bought a share. He is very excited to do that. He's he can't wait for the scarf. I think it was the scarf that finally got it for him. He he really wanted that scarf. How much point. are the shares? Are we allowed to talk about it on the podcast? Sure. Yeah. Um, I think the lowest share is about $100. Oh, not bad. So yeah, J- not, James, I might, did I need to buy in myself. Give me a give me a reason to set up some roots in uh, Minnesota and come more often. There you go. There you go. Yeah, it, it's funny you say that. It's Tuesday night. I'm not going to I'm not going to release this until Wednesday, but it's Tuesday night. I have friends all day buying into the Green Bay Packers today, right? That's been the big sports story today is the Green Bay Packers opened up 
the opportunity for you to buy in. $300, I remember 10 years ago being kind of broke. It was it was uh, right after I graduated college. And I, I remember just being like, I can't, I can't afford it right now. I just can't mm-hmm. afford it right now. 10 years from now or whenever they do it again, I will be able to afford it. And now I'm to the point where I could afford it, but I have two kids that I spend so much money on. $300 for, I, I mean, let's face it, it's $300 for a really cool idea, but I, I don't know. Is it really it's the not, same? It's as- not a, a fungible, like tradable stock that you can then go and make money off of. Right. It's, a piece, it's a piece of paper more than anything. It's right. A, yeah. It's a piece of paper when we need a new refrigerator right now. We need a new oven right now. We need a new dishwasher right now. We need a washer and dryer. All those could be replaced. Probably shouldn't be buying into the Green Bay Packers right now. But 10 years from now, when your son's old enough to appreciate it, that's when you buy in in his name. Yeah, I will say I did heavily hint to my wife, not just for the Green Bay Packers, but I I did heavily hint to my wife how cool it would be to kind of buy into the Minnesota women's soccer. Woso, is that what you called it, Nate? Yeah, they're unnamed. MN Woso. Yeah, MN Woso. They're unnamed at the moment. That's part of why I want to get these bills paid off so I can get in is because you have to be a member to vote. And they've been in, they started off with like almost 20 names and again, community nominated. That's not new necessarily, but community nominated names. And they've been going through this process of narrowing down the number of names. And interesting to note that one of them appears to be the Minnesota dark sky, which I wonder how the dark clouds would feel about that. No, no clue. <laughs> I actually, believe it or not, I don't really know many people in the dark clouds. Um, Nate's, got, Nate's got some friends over there. Yeah, there's there's a few people on Twitter I've maybe talked back and forth with, but I don't know too many people in the dark clouds. So I don't know. I guess I would assume they. I would assume there's a lot of overlap. So the semifinal names that uh, what is it? Seven remaining names: Arctic Minnesota, Iron Minnesota. Minnesota Aurora, Minnesota Dark Sky, Minnesota Foxfire, Minnesota Red Pines, and Minnesota Vortex. And I want to say that Foxfire is in some way related to the Northern Lights. I can't remember exactly. And Aurora probably is as well. Right. Aurora Borealis. Now, as an outsider, I think Arctic Minnesota sounds the coolest and Foxfire sounds like Firefox that, uh, internet browser but yeah. you know no. there's me there can be meanings behind the names that i don't know obviously because right. i'm not from there the one that i saw uh, about the, the explanation of foxfire that i saw was the one that made me like that name the most so hopefully it makes the final so i can buy in and vote i don't know how long the semi-final voting goes for yeah but we'll see well cool well in uh true pot on Elun's fashion i mean it it's not the same as talking about Olivia Rodrigo, Cam, I think one of the more recent times you were on here, we talked about Olivia Rodrigo for like the first 20 minutes of the show and then finally got to the soccer. Uh, it's it's not as off topic as discussing TikTok and Olivia Rodrigo, but let, let's kind of move on with the program. 25 minutes in, Minnesota United about to take on Portland Timbers this Sunday. So, Nate, we asked Nate how he's feeling about his squad this season. He's feeling a little down, though it was more for 
more for reasons involving the front office than the players on the field. I think Minnesota United fans, I think a lot of us, if I was to answer that question on our behalf, I would say a little disappointed. I, I think we thought this season would be a step up. I, re- I really think we thought we were going to take a step up this season, especially with the signing of Adrian Hunu, uh, our DP striker. In a, in a full year of Emmanuel Reynoso, I thought we were going to build off of all of that. And I thought we were really going to be challenging for the one seed where we were, I mean, we we were, if LA Galaxy went to failed in their push once they heard that Real Salt Lake had defeated Sporting Kansas City, if LA Galaxy's push went to failed, we we would be on the outside. Okay, we, we would be doing our offseason episode already. So, yes, we're the fifth seed. That's only one spot below where we were the past two seasons. But I think for Minnesota United fans, I think I speak for all of us where I say we're we're a little bit disappointed, not... Not rock bottom. Okay, far from rock bottom, but we're a little bit disappointed right now. But getting to the game, right? Getting to the game because it doesn't matter what the regular season was. It does not matter what happened. All that we're going to remember is how these playoffs work out. And Nate, I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit, Nate. Because if we're looking at recent history... I think Minnesota fans have some reason to be optimistic about Portland. And you tell me if you agree or disagree with this. But I, I, I'm, Nate, I'm going to read you off a list. You might not like this list, okay? So this year, Minnesota has played a home and away against Portland already. Minnesota won both of those games. Minnesota last year opened up 2020. It was pre-COVID at this time. 3-1 away win at Portland. That means Minnesota has a three-game winning streak against Portland. If you include every game between these two clubs since the massive roster upgrade that Minnesota United had prior to the 2019 season, Minnesota has five wins, one draw, and no losses against Portland. That does include a U.S. Open Cup semifinal. And even if you include the 2017 and 2018 seasons when Minnesota United was basically still an NASL team, even In those two seasons, Minnesota United had a 500 record with a win and loss in each of those seasons against Portland. So my question for you, Nate, with the history of this matchup favoring Minnesota, will Sunday be more of the same? Why or why not? So I appreciate that you, I was actually thinking about whether or not you'd included that U.S. Open Cup win in there uh, because I was going to call you out on that if you hadn't, but I was going to give you a point there. You know, I think that obviously since Minnesota has come into the league, uh, you know, they have been one of the tougher environments to go play in. I've been, I was actually at the inaugural uh, matchup where they got smoked by Atlanta in the snow at the, it's not called Huntington Bank, Huntington Bank, whatever the the U of M stadium is now. The formerly TFC Bank, it was that at the time. TCF. TCF, sorry. So I was at the inaugural match in the snow in 20-degree weather at TCF Bank when they got smoked by Atlanta. You know, they've created a fantastic atmosphere. Credit to them. Allianz, great place. I actually was there to watch the U.S.-Mexico match the other night uh, with a friend who's got season tickets. We are in the bougie club seats or club section 
uh, at a little watch party for that. Okay, so, for you. you know, all respect to the atmosphere that Minnesota United has created. But to say that regular season success all of a sudden is going to translate to the playoffs when you yourself have just said the regular season is over and no longer matters. You know, I think that number one, uh, Portland has had a pretty strong record against Minnesota in Portland. Uh, you know, those opening uh, opening week losses kind of aside where the club is kind of where both teams are kind of getting their way into the season. I wouldn't put too much stock into those results, regardless of the teams. I, I, but I, I mean, think that are you, are you going it, back to 2017 and 2018? Yeah, I don't think. I mean, 27 and 2018. You know, we won. We won both of those matches. Well, we won the first one big in your inaugural match in MLS, or not your inaugural match, but no, it was your inaugural match in 2017. Yeah, yeah, it was. Was in Portland was a four or five one win for us. You know, but as an expansion team, you write that off, right? You know, season opening wins. If you know, we took everything off season opening wins, then. Southampton and Spurs would be Premier League champions the last couple of years, but you know, that's not how it works. So <laughs> stop the count. Stop the count. That was brilliant, by the way. But I just think, you know, number one, Minnesota has been a tough t- place to to play for Portland. There's any number of things that I can nitpick around that. But the fact of the matter is the game's in Portland. Uh the record in Portland has been very even, maybe tilted towards Minnesota. I mean, it's been tilted towards Minnesota a bit the last couple of years. But I want to go back to what I said earlier. You know, as up and down as the Timbers have been, they've been very hot. As up and down as Minnesota has been, they've been very not. You know, in the last, in the same stretch, Minnesota's been 6-3-5 and five with a minus one goal differential. They limped into the playoffs. Are they the five seed? Yeah. Do they deserve to be there? Sure. The the points speak for themselves. But you know, if we're talking about team trajectories, then you've got to look at this as Portland is a really hot team right now. And Minnesota has not shown the same consistency. Now, in a one game winner take all, anything can happen. So am I confident? No, because you know, in previous years, Portland's gone into one-off or early round matchups and been hurt by poor play. It's one and done. So, you know, anything can happen, but I, I certainly think that, you know, looking at the team's history doesn't paint the full picture when you look at what the teams have been doing in more recent history and the fact that you've got one team that's clearly put themselves together over the course of the season with a lot of adversity and you've got another team that was built for something and seems to not have gelled. And to Nate's point to get, to give some credence to it, like you talked about Nate timbers have been hot and that started after that six, two loss to Seattle on August 15th. And then of course the three, one loss on August 21st to Austin, both those games against Minnesota were before that, both those games, I think it was end of June, into July. So Definitely the team that Minnesota is going up against now is not the same team that they went up against before. But I think, Sam, something that you looked the stats up on, right, is 
when does Minnesota win when they score first? So a lot of it's going to come down to who scores first in the game, I think. Yeah, in, unless unless Portland scores first, which if my memory serves me right, we we have a pretty solid record of what happens if Portland scores first against us. I, I think that that 3-1 win that I I mentioned in 2020 did involve Portland scoring first. But anyway, that that was a different that was over a year ago, that's an outlier. Yeah. You're you're right. I th- I think Portland should worry if you see the Loons scoring first. I think anyone playing Minnesota United, except for Colorado and Seattle, <laughs> should worry if the Loons score first. And I, I make those references because we have had two awful losses to Colorado, and we had that uh, we had just that collapse in the Western Conference Final. All three of these games I'm talking about, Minnesota United gave up big leads and lost in the most horrifying fashion imaginable. But those are pretty much the only three games over the last year where that's happened. I mean, I think, yeah. what was it? Only other than those two Colorado games, there was one tie and the rest were all wins. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, you'd have to add the LA Galaxy game that most recently oh, right. happened. You'd, you'd now have to. Yeah. So it's a game tied. where Minnesota United scored first, and I could look this up. Um, I, I still have these notes, but of games where Minnesota United scores first. Here, give me, give me a second, because this... Th- this but also, I'll, just, I'll just jump in losing and drawing when it's a playoff match are not the same thing when you're talking about scoring first. Yeah, yeah, but because that, in a play because in a playoff match, you a draw doesn't you know, you're not, oh, that's a draw, we're done. Like you've still got extra time, you've still got the opportunity for PKs. So I think that, you know, looking at oh, we can keep a draw versus hey, we scored first, but then we lost. If that's the trend, then that means something different. I'm just saying. I'm not talking speaking. about draws, though. I'm not. Yeah. I'm not talking about draws, though. Listen, right. listen. No. Okay. Yeah. So here. So here is here is the stat of games where Minnesota United scores first, and I'll update this so it includes the LA Galaxy game. So ten of the fourteen games that Minnesota United has scored first have resulted in a win. Prior to the LA Galaxy game, that was 77%. Two of the 14 games have resulted in a loss. Two of the 14 games have resulted in a draw. But 10 of the 14 games have resulted in a win. So Minnesota United's key to victory is scoring first. If Minnesota United scores first, that's when Portland really has to worry. Then they can play their game instead of having to figure out how to suddenly try and score and and play Portland's game. Right. And I think that that's, you know, in playoff soccer, especially in one-off competition, you look at that and you look at numbers, you know, the team that scores first oftentimes does really well. I think the the point too is to take is the fact that you drew two of those 14 and that's over the course of this year. Yes. Right? Yeah. That's yeah. So you drew, you drew two of the 14, you know, if you blew a lead and lost, that's more concerning than blowing a lead for a draw, because again, you can continue, you're still in it, right? Mm-hmm. There's extra time, there's PKs, depending on when, you know, the, and I, it might have been last year that Portland played Dallas. They concede in stoppage time, go to PKs and lose. And it was just brutal, but it was indicative of the way that, you know, we conceded late so many times and again, conceded late in a stupid, you know, gave up a stupid goal 
because of our tactical setup, you know, that's it happens that way, right? So Portland last year playing with a lead was a scary proposition. I'd ra- I'd have rather played from behind. This year, you know, the, especially the fact that our defense has been so on the spot in the last two months, you know, we score first. I'm feeling good. So great. Yeah. Bring it on. Give us a goal. What what I think is interesting is uh, Nate, you'll remember probably the greatest playoff game of all time was the, um, I think it was the last year. No, maybe it was, maybe it was a single game, but when Portland won in Seattle and penalty kicks in Ozzy Alonso's last game in Seattle, um, no, that was a two-legged. We won. That was, yeah, that's right. You won, and then we and won, the, and then we won yeah. the second game. So it was the last year of the home and away. But still, that that game truly was just one of the most exciting games I have ever seen. And and what I think is that the Col- or Colorado, we're not on them yet. Minnesota and Portland match up in a way that you could have two teams just throwing their firepower at one another and having a crazy game like that. I mean, both teams are so talented. Both teams have the ability to score out of nowhere. And, um, you know, and I think if if no one, you know, punches the other one in the mouth as hard as they can and knocks them out, you could see a really great game. In the, I mean, I've loved it since, even though that was, that was the last year they did the home and away, and it was such a great game in Seattle. These one-game playoffs just have been so exciting. And then we don't also have Shaori Joseph starting at forward at Portland. So that's a little, that's a little Sounders Portland inside n- note that no one needs to understand in Minnesota. <laughs> There'll be like one guy that gets it. <laughs> so, I yeah, I, I mean, Portland is hot right now. Portland is hot right now. I think all three of our teams, one thing that all three of our teams have in common is all three of our teams had a hard time getting that optimal lineup that the fans had all been just dying to see on the field at the same time. Right. Am, am I, am I right in saying that? I, I know from the Loons yep. perspective, we wanted our attacking four. we wanted our DP striker, our DP number 10, Robin Lud on the right, uh, Franco Fragapene on the left. We wanted those four up front all year long and, and we barely got it. We barely got it. It seems like they're finally starting to gel. We're excited about it. Will they gel in time for the playoffs the way that Emmanuel Reynoso really got going last year when we swept through Colorado, we swept through SKC, um, and we're off to a great start against Seattle on the road in the Western Conference Final. Will that happen again this time around? I don't know. But I think that that's what all of us are hoping for. That's that's where our hope lies. I think that's accurate. I mean, in Seattle, we we are only now getting our three DPs back. We, I mean, one one. You know, Vancouver might actually be the hottest team in the league right now. Just the way they've played uh, since their coaching change and and their new coach is awesome. So uh, I'm actually scared of Vancouver a whole lot. However, they go through. But um, you know, even one one there in Vancouver in the final game on decision day for Seattle. We didn't see our all three DPs were out. So, you know, I actually was up in Vancouver for the game, my first time out of the country since COVID. And it was in, really bizarre. In the suite. Yeah, in a suite. It was super nice. So um and nice being separate from other people too. Um I think we had a fifty person suite and only twenty people in it. So we had plenty of space. 
and uh, it was it was super fun being there, even though it was a one one result. But uh, you know, we've really struggled with that. I think Portland has shown as they've gotten their players on the field that they've been able to or play better. But also, I think it, it was moving away from Valeri being the the key piece. He's still one of the most amazing players in MLS history, but he's obviously showing his age at this point. But I just want to remind you both that other than I think one, so Sounders have won three championships. One of them, I think we were the two seed. We did not win when we were the one seed. The other ones were fourth and fifth seed. So all it takes is getting hot now. It doesn't matter if you back into the playoffs. It doesn't matter how you do until now. And this is where teams can start to make a run and catch that momentum. And then there's no stopping you. Yeah. I mean, so, the, the year that Timbers won the cup, I think we were the six, five of the six seed. I think that that's spot on, you know, the the teams that find their form late. I mean, that's the, that's the reason why I both like and hate MLS cup playoffs is it's not indicative of the team. That's the best over the course of the regular season. And it's sort of, it's sort of, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? It's sort of ingenuous to say that, Oh, MLS cup playoffs are like the creme de la creme when really it can come down to a team that gets hot for a month and plays good soccer for a month and can go win it. I'd like to see the supporter shield elevated to the status that the MLS cup playoffs are personally, because I think it shows a greater accomplishment for a team over the course of seven months to keep up that form and go out and, and win that shield. Has it though when I think New England it does. Gets to play the East on repeat, which New England would be fourth or fifth in the West, and every single other team in the East wouldn't even make the playoffs if they were in the West? I don't know if it is representative, but that's neither here nor there. Let's let's stick on this before we <laughs> go down that rabbit hole. <laughs> right. But I but overall, I mean to to the original question, you know, I think that the interesting thing for Portland is yes, they brought in two new fullbacks. Those guys really struggled. They had an aging Diego Valeri who halfway through the season was starting to show, oh, he can't go 90. He can't even go 75. He's coming off the bench for, you know, cameos basically. And again, is he a, is he a, is there an argument to make for him being all time MLS top of first 11? Absolutely. I think there is, but he's at the tail end of his career the Timbers had to figure out a way to win without him in the center of their lineup. And then you had the play of Eric Williamson, who was just carrying them at the beginning of the season. And then he shreds his knee and they've got to figure out how to replace him. And it's just, I mean, that was just heartbreaking. But so upsetting. So even, much- even as a Seattle fan, so upsetting just because he had so much and getting in, in a, a Seattle game, roster. right? I don't recall anymore, but I think it might have been. It was just, I just remember. I want to say it was a Cascadia game. Yeah. But I think, you know, that's, that's like certainly Minnesota and Portland have that in common where, and Seattle as well, where they haven't had their best 11 on the field. And at this point, right, you have to redefine who that is because guys have stepped up. And that was, you know, I remember coming on to a previous podcast talking about Timbers in previous years where it was, Who's the next guy up? And that's what it's got to be, right? And that's what the moniker has been for them this year is next guy up. And somebody fills the need. And to say that, you know, Christian Paredes, 
who most Timbers fans were trying to run out of town for the last couple of years, is going to be your starting eight on a playoff team. That says a lot. And he had a serious knee injury against Club America at the beginning of the season and came was able to come back from it. But you look at the guys that they've lost. You look at the squad rotation that's happened because of age and injury and all of those things. It's going to be really interesting. And, you know, again, you got to feel confident because they're peaking at the right time. I'd rather go 10-1-3 in September and October than 10-1-3 to start the year because that doesn't mean anything. So, guys, which fan base is planning their Thanksgiving around a playoff game? I'm looking forward to watching Timbers play Colorado on Thanksgiving. I don't watch football anymore anyway. Cam, you got any do yeah. you have a neutral guy? What what do you think? I mean, I'm not totally neutral, right? Because there's there's always gonna be a part of me that remembers the six two win of Seattle at Portland this year and and and, <laughs> and just remember that, so that, many times. that game was six to two. Um and while that game was six to two, it's also <laughs> important to remember <laughs> That um, I think it's such a good matchup. And honestly, Minnesota, I think they match up better against Portland than like if Seattle were playing Portland, Portland would win. Seattle never matches up well against Portland in the playoffs. And so part of me may be wanting Portland to get knocked out here. But, uh, you know, I, th- I think because of the way that Minnesota can play, and assuming that everyone's gelling now, like you said, I, I think I give Minnesota the slight edge. Very slight, though. I do think if it comes to the next round, though, Minnesota matches up what better against Colorado than Portland does. So um, whom, whom, whichever team makes it through will have a good chance. But I think Minnesota has a very great chance of traveling to Seattle, uh, assuming we show up for the games because we haven't a lot lately. I think the, this current Sounders team when they're playing well and have everyone is the best Sounders team there's ever been, but they only show up 50% of the time right now. So it's a crap shoot. So, um, 50% I'm of the time it works every time. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I'm going to, I'm, I'm actually going to give a score. I think it's going to be three, two Minnesota with Minnesota scoring first. And that's going to be the difference in the game. Okay. Yeah. Minnesota doesn't get, past two goals very often but it is the playoffs yeah portland's gonna have to open it up and that's what's going to it's gonna be it's gonna be two nothing and portland's gonna open it up make it two to one and then that's what's gonna allow that third goal to go in and then portland will come back at the end because they are a good team but they just won't be won't be quite enough so i'm not someone that bets i'm not someone that tries to use my brain i'm someone that only uses my heart if i use my brain I I think realistically, okay, realistically, 50-50 shot. Providence Park is a rowdy place, right? It's one of those stadiums that every fan base should be a little bit jealous of. All right, if if I'm just being honest here, Nate, I'm not trying to butter you up. Providence Park looks pretty sweet. I wish I was going. If Justin and I would have found a ticket, we would have been flying out there, but whatever. They got the home field advantage. Portland is hot. Portland has all their guys. Okay, some some of those guys are getting up there in age, but they've they've had a decent amount of rest going into this game. I, I think Portland has a lot going for it. I think Minnesota has a lot going for it. I think Minnesota has the history on its side. 
I think Minnesota has had the edge. Adrian Heath has had the edge in this in this series lately. I think Minnesota has all their guys back at the right time. You know, it could be a coin flip, but of course I'm going with Minnesota. It's going to be Minnesota advancing. Realistically, I know it's probably a coin flip, but my heart says it's Minnesota. And to show how close it is, the odds in Vegas, Portland at home is only giving up a half goal. That's about as close. I don't think they do partial goals beyond that. So that's how close Vegas sees these odds right now. Is anyone else impressed that Vegas is even doing MLS betting? <laughs> hey, they'll take your money for whatever you want to bet on. I'm right. sure there's probably a prop bet for uh, hitting the crossbar in that game. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Times times that a penalty in the shootout goes into the stratosphere over 2.5. I mean, I think here's the thing. Obviously, different team, you know, some new faces in Portland, but I think that they will have learned from what happened last year. If Portland gets the first goal, they're going to be really hard to beat. And, yeah, I didn't even read those got, stats to you. And they've what got the weapons. If- right. So, you know, I, th- I think the first goal, I mean, obviously we talked about this before. I think the first goal is huge. I think we get it at home. I think we, I think I would see a first half being nil nil. I think uh, we strike one early in the second half. I think we get a second on the counter. I think that that's the, the one area that the Timbers have always been almost deadly on and they've struggled with finishing and they've sort of figured it out is finishing on the counter once they're up ahead. You look at some of the games where they've just blown out teams this year, and it's been late in the year that they did it. They, they hung six on RSL, who's a playoff team. They I mean, figured out how to close Technically, they're games. a playoff team. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Here's the thing. Here's I look the thing at the bracket and I see that, RSL, so right, they're right. in the playoffs. Here's the thing that does, does give Portland a, a big edge. Um, and I think, and then you'll have something similar on on Minnesota side, but not to the same level. I mean, having Ozzy Alonso to be able to come off the bench and, and give a little, you know, assuming he doesn't start, give a little extra I, power. I bet he starts. You think so? Yeah. I mean, he did start uh, decision day, didn't he? So, um, no decision day. He was suspended, but the SKC oh, right, game, the game prior to that, he did. But but I, I can tell you from Seattle a- after Dempsey came back from his heart surgery and and had to come off the bench. Um, or when Marco Papa kind of had lost a step and was coming off the bench, having a super sub can be huge because sure, Valeri is getting older, but at the end of the game, when those games, those players are tired and he's coming in fresh with fresh legs and has that little extra space to make, to make that pass, to, to shoot that shot, it can be a huge difference. So watch out one way or another for Valeri being a decision maker in this yeah, and um, you know, just just to give out the stats. So when Minnesota United concedes first, only three of twenty games have resulted in a win. Nine of twenty have resulted in a loss. Eight of twenty have resulted in a draw. So Minnesota United scoring that first goal, crucial, totally crucial. All right, guys, who is going to the Western Conference Final? <sighs> And, this is a and, tough one. and let, let's combine this with the next question. 
Okay, we, we don't need to be all suspenseful. Who's going to the Western Conference Final and who's making it out of the Western Conference Final? For me, it depends a lot on which Seattle team shows up. I mean, the Seattle route is not that difficult. RSL and then the winner of SKC Vancouver, which very well could be Vancouver. Um, if Seattle shows up for those games, that puts them in the conference finals. So I think it'll depend on who comes out of that Portland-Minnesota match. I mean, I think it could be Seattle at Colorado, but I also think it could be Minnesota at Seattle. I would put my money on Minnesota at Seattle right now based on my pick, obviously, but that's a coin flip for me. I think Colorado is just so unexpectedly good. And Robin Frazier is such an amazing coach who's been able to put together a squad where, you know, like Nico Benize, who got traded to the Sounders, couldn't even get squad time there, came into the Sounders as getting assists and goals left and right. Like, that's how deep that squad was for them. Uh, and they're finally putting it together. Um, but we've seen Minnesota can match up with them and then just kind of blow it at the end. So I think Minnesota, we won't see that happen again. So I'm going to say Seattle, Minnesota. Okay, I'm I'm going to just jump in because I I also had Seattle, Minnesota. Nate, you can explain yourself. I I also had Seattle, Minnesota. I already said my heart says Minnesota makes it out of Portland. While yeah, Minnesota ha- while Minnesota has collapsed against Colorado twice, those have been unprecedented total freaking collapses. Okay, the the most recent one where Minnesota was up 2-0. Colorado was down to 10 men. And somehow Minnesota manages to lose, was it 3-2? to two? I, I don't even remember. I don't, I don't even remember. Colorado scored multiple goals on Minnesota when Minnesota was up and Colorado was down a man. It was completely unprecedented what Colorado was able to pull late in that game. That just, that doesn't happen more than once. I mean... Okay, it happened twice, but it doesn't happen more than two times. <laughs> and and that's why that's why the edge has to go in Minnesota in Minnesota's favor this time at Colorado. I do think Minnesota United returns to the Western Conference final. I do think Minnesota United plays Seattle. I think Seattle is still the class of the West. I think Seattle is who Minnesota United wants to be when they look in the mirror. And I and I think that uh, I, I don't think we're gonna have any Michael Jackson moments um, with uh, with one of our guys ripping off their shirt and having having lyrics to that Michael Jackson song printed on their shirt. I think Seattle goes to the MLS Cup final for the third year in a row. If you want to hear more about the man in the mirror, you can listen to my podcast. I think I think I, I mean obviously as a Portland fan, I want to see Portland make a deep run. I'd like to see Portland Seattle play in the conference final because they haven't yet. I think that that in a one-off that in a one-off in Seattle would be just huge. And I'd love some redemption for six, two and what better redemption than taking it to your biggest rival in the conference final at their house. And I, you know, I, I appreciate, I appreciate you cam that you, you mentioned because I was going to bring it up if you didn't, but you sort of like, you know, preemptively to soften the blow, right? Seattle's never beaten Portland in the playoffs in MLS. And so Cam doesn't want to see Portland in the MLS because it means certain doom 
yeah. for the Sounders. So he's, of course, rooting for Minnesota to knock Portland off because he knows that Seattle can't do it. I also think getting to that who's going to the conference final, I agree with you guys. Whoever wins that Minnesota-Portland matchup is going to the conference final. I think playing away on Thanksgiving Day in a primetime like afternoon game, like who in Colorado is going to go to that? Like they have trouble drawing fans to begin with. Like why? Like you're just punishing the home team there. Like that's stupid. I mean, I mean, this, the slot was already in time. The first number one seed was always going to play on Thanksgiving. It's just a question of who the number one seed was going to be. I do. I do think that the one thing that gives Colorado a benefit to that is they're rested and they're playing a team that's got four days turnaround. Whereas the revs play a team that will have had nine days. They don't play until November 30th. Like, and, and this is, I mean, just as a quick aside, because we don't need to get into this, but this is where like MLS logic is just so like, please, can we move into the 21st century? Because like, you're putting teams at a you're, you're giving one one seed a competitive advantage and you're giving another one a competitive disadvantage because they've got nine days to prep for you. I wouldn't be surprised to see both one seeds lose in the semifinals. I would not be surprised. Great seasons for both teams, whatever Colorado, you know, comes out at the top of a, of a really tough Western conference. I mean, what, how many teams that didn't make the playoffs were within a, were within a game on decision day three. Right. Yeah. So that's a really tough conference. But then all of a sudden you put together these brackets that make no sense. It's just silly. But I think that whoever wins Minnesota, Portland goes to the conference final. And we all know what happens to Minnesota sports teams because Cam and I are from the Northwest and the teams do the same thing. Yep. (laughs) Now, in, in light of all of this, what I'm going to say is since Gonzalo Pineda took over Atlanta, they have been amazing and they are going to run the East. So whomever makes it in the West, they're playing Atlanta, in my opinion. I oh. think Nashville's my dark horse just oh, because with Mukhtar. Yeah. And, and Walker Zimmerman the, over the last, I mean, I haven't, I couldn't tell you three players that play for Nashville, but the fact I know they have Walker Zimmerman and his play I saw, you know, Twitter was giving him a hard time for some of his stuff today. He is a beast in the air. And when it comes to MLS playoff soccer, if you've got a beast in the air, that's, that's it. I mean, Chad Marshall was that for Seattle and look how much success they had in the playoffs because of him. Right. So Cam, you're saying Atlanta in the MLS cup final against Seattle. Mm -hmm. Nate, you're saying Nashville in the MLS Cup final against Portland. Portland. Okay. I'm saying New England in the MLS Cup final. I'm, I'm going with the boring pick. Yeah. New New England against Seattle. Justin. Okay. Justin has Western Conference final Colorado versus Seattle. He has Colorado advancing to play New England. James has. James is a little spicier. James has Colorado versus Vancouver with Vancouver advancing to the MLS Cup Ooh, final. That's that's honestly not a bad pick with how hot they've been. They've only lost, what, two games since their coach took over and one or tied the other 15? That That's his logic. 
Yeah. That and he always had a soft spot for Vancouver. That was his. And let me tell you, the coach is awesome. Their coach is awesome. Yeah. James shared the drinking story already. Uh, <laughs> but James also has New England. So the the three regular hosts of the show have New England meeting in the whoever the Western Conference final or whoever the Western Conference team is in the final. The three regular hosts of the show have New England meeting them representing the East. So, okay. I have Seattle, New England. Cam, you have Seattle, Atlanta. Who's it going to be, Seattle or Atlanta? It's a tough one. And it becomes the mentor versus the mentee. It becomes Brian Schmetzer versus Gonzalo Pineda. And I think even with all that firepower in Atlanta, if Seattle makes it that far and Atlanta's playing, in fact, any Eastern team that's not New England, Seattle's hosting. And I can't see them losing at home. That being said, they've what won two MLS Cups and lost two. Is that right? Yeah. And they've only showed up for one half in all four of those games. Eight halves. They've shown up for one. So I think it'd be a close game, but I'm going to say Seattle two to one. Okay. Nate, Portland against Nashville. Who's winning? I mean, I just think the Western Conference is stronger. I think last year was, you know, Caleb Porter wanting to exact some West Coast revenge on Seattle. A little bit of an aberration. But I think whoever comes out of the West is going to win MLS Cup. I have a similar mindset. Whoever comes out of the West should have it this time. So I say Seattle over New England. James has New England over Vancouver. Justin has Colorado over New England. So there we have it. Those are our playoff predictions. Nate, Cam, thank you both for coming on the show. You, you both uh, have come on here so many times. It's been a lot of fun. It's, it's been a lot of fun. Nate, I guess I technically had met you prior to starting this podcast, but I've really gotten to know you over the podcast. And now, now we're on a school board together. Uh, <laughs> someone thought that was a good idea and, and cam well, I you did you asked me yeah so so can i join the school board remotely from seattle or do i have to be a resident uh do we don't still need you would you, you we still need to, a member i mean there's a meeting tomorrow where there there's a candidate that is a parent of a child that goes to the school it, it should be a parent um rather than just another uh, right. Rather than just another soccer podcaster go- <laughs> joining. But. Someone who's never taught public school in my life because uh, I don't have that, a teaching certificate. So not, although I can teach law school. That's I can't not a prerequisite for being on a school okay. board. For for being on a school board, you, you typically, yes, you want some people that have an idea of what uh, how, how a school works. But you typically want at least one person that's business or finance minded. And you mm-hmm. typically, I've never worked with someone that, is legal minded and you are the legal minded punk, but yeah. that would go a long way because a lot of legal issues do come up when you are on a school board. So having, there have been a lot of times. And I, I remember one of the first things you told me, Cam, when you were talking about your job as a lawyer, is you told me being a, being a lawyer or having an understanding of law is empowering. Yep. And that, that really hit me because in my time serving on school boards, there have been a couple of times where 
I feel just totally at the mercy of whoever I chose to trust on an issue, uh, on a legal issue that someone is presenting to me. And I, I get yep. that anyone that's listening over an hour and 10 minutes into the show probably has zero cares about uh, about my experience okay. on school board. School board experiences are why they tune in. It's soccer, <laughs> whatever, but it's about school board politics. But but we come across situations that do involve lawyers, do involve contracts, and someone that we contract with tells us it's a good idea. They understand it, but we're kind of at the mercy of them, and that's not a comfortable feeling. So I would honestly say a lawyer on a school board, especially a lawyer that is, you, you know, very community minded as yourself, I, I think you you would be a good candidate for a school board. Right. But I should do one locally and not across the country. Yes, because you you typically I, I mean, these these covid things where we go over Zoom, th- those aren't here to stay for school board meetings. Unfortunately, yep. there's there are quorum laws and things like that that are going to require butts in the seats. So and can I say one thing? I don't yeah. was I on last time when I was named fan of the year? I don't I think I was on just before. Yeah. But at that game on the last time I was on. I talked about how I was going to get to do the scarves up and then I go down on the field and right before I'm about to do that, they tell me that I've been named fan of the year, 2021 Sounders fan of the year. And they took me out in the middle of the field and introduced me and I had to like read my bio and I had to wave to everyone. And it was truly crazy and a really big honor, especially for the club to the people inside the club voted for me to get that. So it was super cool. And I, I went a trip to an away game next year. So I get to go anywhere Ooh. the Sounders play for one game. Um, I'm kind of hoping they play at Montreal because I've never been to Montreal and boy, I would love to go, but who knows? Maybe I'll come to Minnesota. That that would be sweet. That'd be sweet, man. And you beat out Macklemore and Frazier for that honor. That's awesome. <laughs> the only two satellites, Seattleites that matter now that Kirk Cobain's dead. Yep. All right. Yeah. Congrats, Cam. They, they, could, they couldn't have picked a better guy. Um, Thank you. Yeah, they, they couldn't have picked a better guy. Absolutely. Uh, Congrats, man. That's awesome. And, and Nate won a state championship. Yeah, that was so cool. So yeah, congr- thank you. Congrats, Nate. It's been a big uh, big year for me coaching. USA Cup win. League uh, won my summer league and then won one state. So now, now, with the way that the... Minnesota goes about, and we had a long conversation about this on a previous episode, but the youth system for Minnesota United goes, do do you see some of your kids go into the type of academies that would eventually be a pipeline up to Minnesota United? Yeah, we're, we've got three kids. Two of them played last year. One of them played for me in a lower level team. And then the other was a uh, varsity freshman. So they both as sophomores we're in the United program this year. And then there's a third who lives in the district who hasn't played for the high school. So we're actually hoping that winning state convinces them to come back and make a run for it next year. But yeah, so we, you know, we had a, a guy this year who transferred from Shattuck, which is a private school more known for hockey, but um, you know, they were originally partnered with, Minnesota United for their academy. But he came, transferred, sat out last year as a junior, and then was a Mr. Soccer finalist as a senior. So, 
So future homegrown players coming through Nate's teams. Darn right. It happened, Nate. All right. Well, we have at Portland Sunday, November 21st. That is at 530 Central. Hopefully, okay, hopefully at Colorado Thursday, Thanksgiving Day, November 25th, 330 Central. Hopefully we're watching the loons and not paying attention to our families. Just kidding. I, uh, I love my family. I'm, I'm excited to be with them on Thanksgiving, but I, I really hope that I have to be distracted for a couple of hours. Winner of that game goes to the Western Conference final. That might be at Seattle. Might not be. Who knows? December 4th or, December 4th or 5th is that game. Okay. December 4th or 5th. Okay, cool. All right, guys. Until next time, peace out and pot on you loons. Pot on you loons. Hey, you both said it. Hey, cool. All right. Have fun, guys. Cheers. Cheers.